0: Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the Science Fiction Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. And on Spectology, usually we pick a book, read it, and talk about it over two episodes. Uh, this month, our book has been No Mon by Nick Harkaway, uh, but we have a special little bonus episode today. Uh, something something a little different. Bonus. Bonus, 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 bonus. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Apologies to all of our listeners. <laughs> um, Today, we're going to do a little thing that we call things we like where, you know, a lot of pop culture podcasts talk about, you know, the stuff they've been enjoying outside the topic of the podcast. Our podcast episodes go so freaking long that we can't do it during them. So we like to give you a little bonus content for it. Um, so Matt and I each have a, a couple of things that we've been enjoying recently. Other like pop culture hashtag content items. Mm. Um we're just going to we're just going to talk about it. it's going to be off the dome. It's going to be short, hopefully fun for us. Hopefully fun for you. (laughs) That is the hope. Yeah, it's the the whole point of this thing, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Matt, do you do you want to start? I don't you know mine. I don't know yours. So tell me what's the What's the first thing you've been liking
1: recently? uh, This is a huge shock to Adrian. Adrian will be totally flabbergasted that I would (gasps) like this. But I've been really enjoying the podcast called Making Obama. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. No, well, I've never uh, Making, heard of that. Making Obama is a pretty cool podcast. It's a six-part series uh, done by W.E.B.Z. Chicago and uh, uh, aired Shout on NPR. Shout out local radio. Indeed, indeed. Shout out public uh, radio. Exactly, an NPR affiliate. Air horns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a story of Barack Obama, uh, Barack Obama's career leading up to his breakout speech at the 2004 Democratic national convention. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So making Obama, you know, that's the title and it's not that long. It's, it's, you know, like I said, six episodes, about 40 ish minutes per episode. Um, but it's just a really, and you know, I mean, if you've read like a long biography of Barack Obama before, it's not going to be anything new. It's, but they do have interviews with all the principals, including Obama, Axelrod, you know, and a lot of folks. Oh yeah. And a lot of folks that people may not have heard of that were instrumental, um, in the early days. Um, mm-hmm uh, so it's a, it's a really, really interesting podcast uh, about Barack Obama, but it's also in, you know, I think it will probably appeal to anybody that's really interested in politics because Barack Obama and the people around him, um, are really direct and forthright about how things happened, what was luck, what wasn't luck, who was resp- who was important and who wasn't, you know, who wasn't Obama.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what What were the things that allowed this to happen? Um, and, you know, it's recent enough that they all remember it very well. Uh, and there's no there's no real sort of loss um, to the mists of time going on, it feels like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're getting this um, this relatively. Yeah, I mean, know, this would be
0: stuff that happened in like the early 2000s, I guess.
1: That's the yeah, that's the last two episodes. Certainly it starts kind of in the 80s and there's some okay. g- good context about Chicago politics in the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. if. Like me, you don't know anything about that. Um, And, you know, it's kind of a quick but also very uh, crunchy look at what a political career looks like, what a very, very successful political career looks like. And actually, some of the most interesting stuff is kind of before 1990, before 2000-ish, in the 80s and 90s, how did Barack Obama decide to go into politics? What was that process, you know, like Mm -hmm. in as much as we have access to it? you know, not being him or his very close family. And then how did he actually do it? It's very interesting. Obviously not something that just anyone can replicate or something like that, but it's a really interesting insider account of how that kind of career works. That's Um, cool. And and because it's pretty short, it doesn't get bogged down in, you know, other stuff. That might also be interesting, but that isn't relevant to that story.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so it sounds like it's kind of like a, a... Biography, except for being radio, it means you can actually like do the do interviews and air the interviews and have yeah, kinda, and they like, have, have archival storytelling right. techniques.
1: Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. They have arch- archival sound as well. They have a lot of like old interviews with Obama. Or oh, Washington, cool. Or like old speeches
0: yeah. and stuff. That's right.
1: That's and you cool. know, here's a weird detail that I never knew. I would never have known. The in I think it was two thousand and. Uh, two or 2003, I guess, must have been 2003 or early 2004. Barack Obama made a famous speech in Chicago, um, proclaiming his um, uh, opposition to the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, is you know incredibly important later on in his career in the Democratic primary. Um, it turns out there's no complete audio recording of that speech that exists that people know about, there's only partial recordings. Hmm. which is really interesting it's kind of a right I, I don't know that detail stuck out to me i guess
0: right it's like so recent but even then you still lose stuff to the sands of time i think it's easy to forget yeah. how like easy it is to lose that kind of thing how easy it is yeah. to even if it was recorded like just not like no one can find the recording no one knows you know which hard drive it's on or which like tape spool it's on or whatever and so <laughs> you know yeah yeah I mean, at that time, he was not the headliner. Jesse Jackson was the headliner. Right. He was. (laughs) Most people didn't know him. He was some guy who Jesse Jackson was helping promote by letting him speak. That's exactly right. He he was a state senator. Right. Right. Can you name your state senator, Adrian? I mean, yes, I can. Mike Chiarra But I I work in politics. So, you know, he's great, too. He's like phenomenal. Very pro labor, like worked against the IDC. Like, love him. Good. Great guy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Shout <right>. out, Mike. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, was, you're the wrong person to ask. That question. Yeah, anyway. I am. I literally work in like state politics. So. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Cool. So, well, yeah. yeah. I, you know, speaking of labor, actually, um, my my first and uh, politics, but also science fiction. My first thing I like is going to be Sorry to Bother You, the film by Boots Riley. He is a rapper and filmmaker. This is his first feature film, and it's a, uh, I mean, it's more or less an indie film. Uh, It showed on like 800 theaters or something like that in the US at the biggest screening. It's still in like a couple hundred theaters, I think. So you can like still potentially find it and see it in theaters. And if you can do, oh my God, it's one of the like funnest theatrical experiences i've had in a long time i mean honestly like since black panther or something like that it just like totally blew me away it's this um it's <laughs> i saw someone on twitter say that it's a movie that like you really do like going back to our spoiler discussion, like I really don't want to say too much about it. Like it's weird. It's interesting. It's not what you expect it to be. You're like, you're going to go in knowing it's weird and interesting and it's going to be weirder and more interesting. But, um, but you know, I would say it's a book or it's a book. It's a movie about like a small labor organizing movement in a call center for, for telemarketers. uh set in kind of like an alternate future, like weird, you know, honestly, it kind of reminded me of Romy Futch in a lot of ways, the sort of like late capitalism, like everything's a little bit shitty, (laughs) kind of like like the shitty future thing you and I talked about a lot in our Romy Futch episodes.
1: Nothing like real life.
0: No, no, it's Total definitely fantasy. totally fake. <laughs> definitely nothing like the real world whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> so excited to see this movie. Uh, Adrian told me about it a while ago. Uh, and I've also heard about it from other people, and I haven't had a chance to see it. Really, right. Really and
0: like Tessa Thompson's in it, Lakeith Stanfield is in it. He's, um, holy shit. yeah, Tessa
1: Thompson is maybe the coolest person.
0: She isn't, she's in acting. like everything right now. Um, Lakeith Stanfield, if you don't know who he is, he, he, um, he is in Atlanta. He was in Get Out. He was like the guy who got got at the beginning of, of Get Out. He's um he's in like a bunch of stuff kind of like popping up recently. And he's he's really, really good in this and playing like a, a kind of like unknowable character in a really interesting way. Uh, Army Hammer is in it um, playing a <laughs> ridiculous character. Um, there's, yeah, I mean, that's, I can't even like talk about it because it's, it's just like, you need to go and experience it. It's really great. Um, you know, and it's like, it's also really kind of like an interesting look at not just race, like obviously like race plays a really like important component of this, but it's also class and inequality and politics and labor organizing and like whether revolution like makes sense or whether you can like change the system from within or whether it has to be done violently from outside it's good it's really good it like it has it hits a lot of thematic depth and so um you know boots riley actually retweeted (laughs) one of our tweets from the like uh uh our our twitter account the spectology twitter account where I, i was talking about it so that was that was cool too and he seems like a really a really great guy and his you know i think the movie is made like 10 times its budget or something like that even though it's you know had a very limited release and it's only been released in the u.s so um are, I know there's no distribution deal in Europe or like other international territories right now. So hopefully it'll, it'll get out there at some point here.
1: I, I, I would hope so. It's, it's gotten really good reviews. Um Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, there's this thing that like black movies don't sell internationally, blah, blah, blah. And it makes it, it makes it really hard. I mean, he's, t- he's talked about it somewhat frankly, frankly, actually, um, on Twitter and, it sucks because like a lot of people want to see this and like clearly something like black Panther shows that that's bullshit. (laughs) Like black movies do sell internationally. We just don't market them and don't do anything for them. And that's on us, uh, not on the movies. So yeah. So anyway, I've been, I've just been talking that up to anyone who will listen and I have a podcast. I'm going to make all like, you know, 200 (laughs) of you listen to this, listen to me. (laughs) Um, what's, what's your Uh. next pick this month? All right,
1: I'm gonna this is a this next one is something that uh, that I've not only enjoyed recently I've enjoyed it for quite a while and it occurred to me that I don't really tell people about it enough Hmm. I I know that there's a cult following on online as there is with I guess pretty much everything but So there's a TV show on Netflix called Japanese style originator Hmm. and that's that's the English name Japanese style originator that's right. The Japanese name is Wafu Sohonke, which is uh, you know whatever it means more or less the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a t- it, the, the thing that you see on Netflix um, is a sort of edited version of a TV show that was produced by TV Osaka uh, and aired uh, in t- on TV Tokyo in Japan. It's basically the way that I sort of want to describe it is that it's like maybe like daytime television, but Japanese. And so what that means to me is it's a. It's is a it like
0: of, a fashion like what's the what's the general genre? It's a here? it's
1: a it's a variety show like in the style of a daytime TV program. It's a show where um, what you have a, a panel of like C-list celebrities mm-hmm. talking about stuff. Right. And maybe doing skits and maybe doing, you know, man on the street
0: interviews and maybe doing. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg um, is always A list in my heart, but I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about
1: The View, of course. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, some show that I don't even know what it's called because it's not popular, famous enough. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's so it's, you know, I mean, I guess you, I would, I imagine it's, it's a little bit like an Ellen with a panel instead of just Ellen mm. um but it's very japanese and the the overall theme of the show is not is not like a you know morning show or something like that it's not about news it's about traditional japanese culture hmm. and so every segment that they do um and you know they do games with the celebrities they do weird contests but mostly it's these sort of segments that center around pieces of traditional Japanese culture and since it's aimed at a Japanese audience originally, the default level of knowledge that it, pres- it it's not um, it's not shallow at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the default level of knowledge that it presumes about Japanese culture is that of an ordinary Japanese person
0: right right It's not made um, for American consumption.
1: Right. But it turns out that, um, you know, not being talked down, even if you don't know a lot about Japan, not being talked down to is nice. (laughs) 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 So basically, they'll just tell you all these really interesting things about Japanese culture from an insider's perspective without any of the BS that you so often get, any of the exoticization, any Mm -hmm. of the
0: um, isn't it weird, you know? Yeah. And that stuff is so prevalent. I mean, that's what whenever it's like Westerners talking about Japan, it's like... Yeah. Look at how weird yeah. this is. Yeah. And then yeah. half the time they show you shit that's like, that's the same shit I it's, find in exactly. New York City. I mean, give me a break.
1: <laughs> exactly. Or it's like, I've seen ten other dumb shows that already made this. Right. That already pointed that out. And it's not weird. Right. You know. Anyway. But this show is it's not about weirdness. It's about traditional culture. And so you get, for instance, there's a segment in one episode um about they often do segments about uh, traditional foods that are seasonally appropriate, Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) you know? So it'll be the level of knowledge is sort of like what your smart Japanese uncle might know as like the answer to a trivia question, but like what your typical Japanese person won't know. Cool. (laughs) That's fun. That sounds interesting. (laughs) It's incredibly interesting. It's, it's like the best documentary about Japan you could ever watch. Right. Cause it's not trying to be that. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. But that's what it is. And the episodes are really long and they're also, you know, adorable. There are recurring mm-hmm. characters and like they do these weird skits with like, you know, these made up people. There's a dog named Mamusuke <laughs> who's adorable. It's it's ridiculous. It's great. It's wonderful. It'll make you feel happy. You'll learn about Japan. And it's just a, a, a great thing that exists. That's one of those things where you're like, I can't believe this exists and I can't believe I ever lived without it. And <laughs>
0: That's wonderful. That sounds really great. Yeah. So, Adrian, what's something else you liked? Yeah. Uh, So the next thing that I have is, um, I mean, you know it because you recommended that I play it uh, and it is Chrono Trigger, which I am currently like probably halfway through, maybe a little bit more. I don't really know. No spoilers. Um, this is actually kind of fun cause this came out partially because of our spoiler episode. Like on that, you asked me about playing like narrative, like RPGs. And I was like, Oh, I'd never really played one before. Um, and now I am. And it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, like I told you at one point, like, why don't we like do this in like literature class? Like, <laughs> like, I can't, yeah. You know, I'm 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 blown away that I've never been like forced to engage with this before. <laughs> and, you know, obviously it's because like video games are not considered real art, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a lot of them aren't. Uh, this one is, I mean, this, this one is like just insane. I understand now why people call it the best video game ever made, like, you know, 25 years after it was made or whatever. Um, Just the art's phenomenal. The music is phenomenal. The writing is really interesting. The story is really interesting. The like meta textual commentary that the very like fact of the narrative is what it is, is like commenting on the way that you play video games. It just like the the whole thing just just is so perfect. It's also a really fun game. Um I find when I play it I've just set it on like the easiest settings across the board because I'm not very good at it and I kind of want to enjoy the story and that kind of thing and but it's still even then it's still like challenging at points and I find myself ha- like I can't just go into battles guns blazing. I have to like s- strategize about the battles, but it's also like easy enough to strategize about them. Like I've gotten good enough at the like, you know, six people in my party that I know like which combinations will let me do different things and be good against different kinds of enemies. And I've discovered that I like playing a more like healer build party as opposed to like a big, you know, like bashing build party. Uh, Yeah. It's a ton of fun. Loving it, loving everything about it. The art is so cool. The like historical, like set in a bunch of different, like, you know, it's like set across like 65 million years within like this fantasy world. And it's like you go from era to era and the continent shift. And, like, and I I, I just <laughs> could literally go on and on yeah. And the way that like you do something and then it's like you go back. Like I, I did something recently where I, you know, I defeated an enemy that I would needed to defeat. And then just to tested out, I went to like a totally different time period in a totally different place that was like, not the next thing I was supposed to be doing in the narrative at all. But like, you know, that was like a 1000 years in the future from the thing that I had just done. And it had changed. It had changed in ways that made sense because of like what I had done in the past and like what other things I had done differently in the past. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like I'm probably like preaching to the choir here. Like I'm sure, I'm you know, it's like it's like someone who just like watched like 2001 a space a space odyssey for the first time or something. But uh, yeah, I, I I I can't I can't say enough that's good about it. I'm playing it on the iPhone too, which is like even though it's very much like a not ideal like play system i'm I'm, you know i'm honestly staying up like way too late playing it like every night
1: (laughs) (laughs) i love everything about this chrono trigger has been my favorite video game since i was a little kid
0: well we you know you and i talked about it I remember in college, like I remember some of those really late nights we had at Brueger's Bagels talking about Chrono Trigger and you like telling me like parts of the story and stuff. And I I was like, oh, I'll never play it. And like now I am. And, you know, I don't remember anything of that because it was like a decade ago or whatever, like eight years ago. Uh, So,
1: (laughs) oh, man, it was more than eight years
0: ago, Adrian. (laughs) I know it would have been like 2010. It's 2018 now. That's that's about right. I guess that's true. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I had forgotten about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I I, it's, you know, it's amazing. It's an amazing game. It was created maybe worth mentioning. It was created Mm -hmm. by a sort of a cross company, almost dream team. It's like a super group or something. Yeah basically the guy that designed all the characters is the guy is um Akira toriyama the guy who did uh who designed like the dragon ball characters mm-hmm. and the dragon quest mm-hmm. characters uh you know so the, the guy that did uh the music was done by uh not only um this uh this famous guy yasunori mitsuda but like no, like uematsu nobu, who is mm-hmm. one of the Maybe, though, you know, I don't know if he's the most famous video game composer, but he might be. Um, he
0: did all the music for Final Fantasy. Um, the, he did... the music is no joke, like, great. And, like, not yeah, it... just great. Like, it, it's it's really wild in that it's both great for the chip tune style of music that it is. This, like, 16-bit, you know, like, working with a very limited palette. Like, it's great on that end but it's also like very very good classical music as well. <laughs> like like you know yeah. whether you're playing it on a 16-bit like chip tune thing or you're playing it on a full yeah. piano like it is like just good music. Yeah, the the music
1: for this game is one of I think it's one of I'm not sure about this, but I think it's one of the first that was ever released as a soundtrack independently of the game. Yeah. And it's also been performed in a lot of concert tours. Right. Actually, right. as a kid I saw it <laughs> in a concert tour. It's amazing. Which is the kind of nerd that I am. But uh <laughs> love it. So so yeah, so the the plot was um Kato Masato who um I actually don't know what else he's done. But he's, like, amazing. Right. The plot, you know, anyone who has ever played it will attest that it's incredible writing. Right. Um, and then and then the translation is also John Woolsey, who who is, uh, you know, I think the most famous translator of Japanese games into English. I think that must be true because I know who he is and I don't know who any of the other ones are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he very famously um translated a lot of uh jrpgs in the 90s and other games right a lot of the other like square enix like final fantasy games yeah yeah he did uh a bunch of final fantasy games um mario rpg oh ever played that he did that i've not played that but i know what yeah. it is basically you know a lot <laughs> which of is like games- more
0: than a lot of rpgs
1: <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah, I, I could yeah, this game is amazing. Yeah, everybody should play it. <laughs> when
0: whenever I'm done playing it like four times to get four different endings, um you'll have to like recommend some other JRPGs that are available on the iPhone for me. Oh. Okay. We'll do that maybe. Um Yeah, that's that's been that's been a lot of fun. So what's your what's your what's your final thing here? All right, final thing, final thing. Final um but by
1: no means last in my heart. Uh, is the as a is a novel actually great? Um, it's called The Invisible Valley in English. Um, it was written by a Chinese man named Su Wei and translated it into English uh, by Austin Werner. And it is a wonderful novel that was just released in English, um, although it has been around in Chinese for a number of years. Published by Small Small Beer Press. Uh, if you're familiar with that, it's a great small. Uh, press that has done a lot of really famous authors, including I believe they did um, John Crowley some of his work mm-hmm. um, And uh, some of Ursula K. Le Guin's work, I think as well um, and So this book I'll, I'll tell you a little bit um, I should say also Austin is a friend and sue Wei was a teacher of mine So I was
0: gonna say <laughs> sue Wei was your professor, <laughs> yes, right?
1: That's right um, uh, And you know, I had class with Austin and stuff Um so, uh, Su Wei is a, currently a, a professor of, of uh, uh, I guess, modern Chinese literature um, at Yale University. And he has had an amazing life. Um, among the things that he's done in his life was he, was he was what you call a sent down youth in the 60s and 70s, which is to say that when he was a kid, when he was around 15, I think, he was ordered by the Chinese government to go to a remote jungle island and live in a work camp for an who knows how long. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being 10 years, um, but no one knew at the time. And so he did. And so he lived in a jungle work camp for 10 years from the mid-60s to the mid-70s. So like heart of the Cultural
0: Revolution.
1: Yeah, that, that, way, that is right? one of the famous things that happened during the right. Cultural Revolution. Um and uh, in the you know in the eighties, um, Su Wei became an important figure in um, literary circles in Beijing. He was one of the first Chinese um, people to after after the death of Mao and the opening up of China. He was one of the first Chinese people to study abroad in America. Um, when he came back to, to Beijing, he's like not from Beijing originally. He's from uh, uh, Guangzhou, but he came to Beijing in the eighties, and he. Basically, became a central figure in the literary scene. His apartment was a, a salon, uh, and a lot of uh, famous literary figures, you know, came in and out. And then, you know, during the Tiananmen Square protests, he became a sort of spokesperson for some of the students because of his role as a sort of fulcrum in the literary world. Hmm. Uh, he fled the country at the, at, during the crackdown. Um, he managed to escape. Um, in like a, a secret compartment of a speedboat, uh, <laughs> and then to Paris and then to America. Um, <laughs> wow. uh, and, um, in the nineties after, yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously this is like a capsule account of his life. He, a lot of other things have happened to him. He's a very, 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 very interesting person. Uh, in the nineties, he wrote this novel in Chinese, um, after a few years of not being able to face literature after Tiananmen, mm-hmm. he then wrote, uh, this novel, it's a story, it's a magical realist sort of fable about set in the jungle island, Hainan, where he lived during the Cultural Revolution, Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, a young boy who is not him, but is sort of in some ways similar, in some ways not, Mm -hmm. um, who, uh, like him though, is uh, sent down youth, bookish sent down youth, um, who... Meets some very interesting and strange characters deep in the jungle of Hainan, and uh, experiences some very strange, fantastical things. That's awesome. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting book. It's 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 magical realism, I guess, is the easiest genre to slot it into. Although it's really not genre. It's not e It's very. It's a weird book, a strange book, a beautiful book. Su Wei is also a poet, and it very much has this poetic sensibility. And the translator Austin Warner. Um, is himself also a poet and he's, I mean, you know, for my money, definitely one of the best, if not the best working translator of Chinese into English. Mm. I mean, he's incredible. He's incredible at it. Absolutely incredible. Um, I've never been a professional translator. That's actually not true. I was very briefly, but I have not, I'm not really much of a professional translator, but, Mm -hmm. um, I have read a lot of it and, um, I feel comfortable having this opinion, despite <laughs> the fact that he's my friend. Right. Um, He's just amazing. And the work that he put into translating this book is on another level from the work that, that translators sometimes do. I mean, he has, I've seen his notes, you know, he has these, he has diagrams and he, you know, musical scoring to capture the rhythm of lines. And, you know, wow. he went to the places that Sue, he went with Sue to some of the places in Hainan where Sue had, I mean, he just did the, he did an unbelievable job. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it was a great book in, uh, already. And, and now it's
0: also a great book in English. That's amazing. That sounds, sounds really interesting. I, it sounds like something I might even try to pick up and read someday here when I have, free reading time. (laughs) It's always, always (laughs) the hard part whenever I say that. Yeah. 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 I'm reading like a biography of Mao that you recommended right now. And so that's going to be my like non non podcast reading for the next couple of months, probably. Nice. Um, cool. So I'll do my final thing here really quickly. We, we began you began with a podcast and I'm going to end with a podcast, although a very different one, it's, um, I just discovered it. Actually, it's called Reading the End. It is uh, the two hosts call themselves the two demographically similar Jennies. Their names are both Jenny. Um, (laughs) It's just the best. Like I I've listened to like two episodes and I'm just like I love listening to them they're so great they talk about books they just like sit and talk about books usually they like have some sort of a theme and then like review a book that they've read recently and they just do that they release like every two weeks uh they also have a couple of bonus episodes their their most recent episode was on the saddest childhood books they read as kids and it was just great i loved it it was just like the funnest like nicest conversation between two like you know lovely people um and it's funny and fun and uh yeah i just like i've started listening to it and like, you know, I'm benching it already. And um they're both really nice. I've chatted with them a little bit on 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 Twitter. They I, it actually came to my attention because one of our readers, uh, Charlotte, uh, Greeter, I think I actually don't know how to pronounce her last name. Um, but, uh, she had like, was talking to them and I was like, Oh, this looks like an interesting podcast and like clicked through and like immediately fell in love with it. So, uh, you know, I think our listeners too will appreciate that. It's like other, like really good in-depth discussion, discussion about books, which I, you know, part of why I started this podcast was feeling like there weren't a lot of podcasts like that. So it's really great to find to find other ones because they they you know, I mean, they do a really, really good job of it. And it's, you know, it's genre books, it's horror books, it's literary fiction books, it kind of like runs the gamut, they do a lot of different stuff, too. So it's a it's a it's it's nice. It's really great. Um, (laughs) I I liked it a lot.
1: (laughs) That sounds awesome. I'm, I, I, uh, I'm learning about this from you right now and I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah.
0: It's, it's definitely, it's definitely fun and worth listening to. So, um, that's it for me today. I think we'll probably end it there. Keep it a, a short one. Word. Excellent. So, um, next week we'll be back with Max Gladstone again to do the post read, spoilerific analysis of nomon by nick harkaway uh i'll actually be up in boston for that so we'll all three get to like record in the same room which is fun because matt and i have never recorded together before so this will this will be a treat <laughs> <laughs> we do this over skype um yeah so that'll that'll be a ton of fun i'm really looking forward to like seeing you too it's been a long time so that'll be yeah. really nice and, and um well. Yeah, our music that you're hearing right now is by WJ on SoundCloud. Our artwork is Noah Bradley. You can find him at noahbradley.com. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for next week. We'll put all the links to all the stuff we've talked about in the show notes, too. You can also check out our Twitter account, Spectology Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'll tweet all of the links to this stuff, too. And, um, you can find us, you can email us if you have, if you liked any of this, if you have any suggestions, future book club suggestions, you know, want to, want to tell us we got something wrong, like whatever it is, you know, we, we love hearing from our readers and we are listeners, readers, content, consumers, whatever (laughs) Um, we we love (laughs) the creatures that eat (laughs) us. (laughs) The creatures that eat uh, yeah. what we make. Uh we 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 <laughs> like all, all jokes aside, I really like hearing from people. I really like talking to people yes. who I've met through this and uh you know so please do email us or tweet at us and uh yeah, we'll we'll see you next week. We'll get to talk to you all then.
1: Looking forward to it. All right. Bye Matt. Bye dude.